He is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter, brothers and sisters. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the cornerstone of our faith. In the New Testament, it is mentioned at least 104 times. For example, when the apostolic company, after the apostasy of Jesus, set about to choose one to take his place, the first chapter of Acts records for us that they wanted to have one that he might be a witness with them of the resurrection. The resurrection was the great empathic point in the sermon of Peter on the day of Pentecost. He said, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witness. When the apostles were later filled with the Holy Spirit, the one central result was that with great power, the Bible says, gave the apostles witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Also, when the Apostle Paul preached in the city of Athens in Acts 17, his message to those philosophers was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Later on, when the Jews caught Paul in the temple in Acts chapter 26 and sought to kill him, he received help from God and preached to them the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection is everything to Christianity. Without it, the crucifixion loses its meaning. The life of Christ is a waste, and his death becomes the heroic death of a noble martyr or the execution of a fraud. But with the resurrection, it becomes the death of the atoning Son of God. It wasn't Jesus' teaching or his miracles or his dying that accounted for the church and Christianity. It was his resurrection. If it never happened... Christianity would collapse into mythology and billions of people would have been deceived. Let me say it as strongly as the Apostle Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 15.17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. There wouldn't be any salvation, any eternal life after death. This life would be everything we had and that would be tragic and desperate situation. But it had happened. Let me give you at least three proofs that Jesus Christ did exactly what he said he would do, that on the third day he rose from the dead. The first proof of Jesus' resurrection is uh, the empty tomb. The Bible says that after Roman soldiers crucified Jesus, his body was covered with about 100 pounds of spices, it was extensively wrapped in strips of linen cloth, placed in a solid rock tomb, and in front of the entrance of the tomb was rolled a very large stone, estimated to weigh about two tons. After this builder was in place, a contingent of up to 16 Roman soldiers was assigned to secure the tomb. Some pictures you may have seen show one or two men standing around, holding a spear in their hands, but that's simply not the case. These men were human fighting machines who were trained to protect the area around the tomb against an entire battalion. And then Matthew 27:66 tells us that in addition to the Roman guard, they put a temper-proof official Roman seal on the stone. Anyone 
who happened to make it past the Roman soldiers wouldn't have to break this seal, thus incurring the wrath of the Roman law. But in spite of all of these precautions, the stone, the soldiers, and the seal, the tomb was empty that first Easter morning. When the first people arrived and peered in, they saw only one thing, the blood-stained burial cloth of Jesus. Now many critics down through the years have tried to refute it. They have come up with other possibilities. Maybe the disciples stole the body. But this seems far-fetched when you consider that this group of cowards would have had to overpower armed soldiers, roll away a two-ton stone, disposed of the body, and then manufacture a myth about his resurrection. All that just doesn't seem reasonable. Another possibility would be that the religious leaders disposed of the body. But this has some serious flaws as well. If they had removed the body, all they would have to, had to do is parade with Jesus' remains through the streets of Jerusalem, and they would have derailed Christianity from the very start. But they couldn't do that because Jesus was no longer dead, <clears throat> but alive. Friends, the empty tomb is the first witness of our faith. Critics cannot explain it anyway. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then where is his body? Leaders of every other religion died and stayed dead. Their bones are decaying in the ground. That's not the case with Jesus. He claimed that he would rise from the dead on the third day. And that's exactly what he did. The empty tomb validates his claims. But for many people, this doesn't provide substantial evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. And I think it was not enough evidence even for the disciples. Even though Jesus had predicted that he would raise from the dead, it's obvious from their behavior that they didn't expect it. They needed more evidence. Something that would remove all doubts from their minds. I think the early Christians did not believe Jesus had risen just because of the empty tomb. They believed because they saw him with their own eyes. When they walked to the other uh, to others about talk to others about Jesus, they did not say we found an empty tomb. Instead, they said we saw Jesus alive. According to the record of the Bible, there were hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw resurrected Jesus on twelve different occasions. Acts one three says that after his Jesus' suffering. He showed himself to these men and gave many convicting proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus gave unquestionable proof that he was alive. After his resurrection, he made an appearance to a woman in the cemetery. Later that same day, he walked through a closed door and talked with, uh, with his uh, frightened followers, who were huddled in Jerusalem. In the evening, he walked side by side with two men as they were their way down a road. He appeared to believers and doubters, tough-minded and tender-hearted souls. Several people saw him on more than one occasion, some alone and some with large groups, sometimes at night and sometimes during the day. 
The Apostle Paul, when he was writing a letter to a group of new Christians, laid it out uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 6, like this. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Let me illustrate. In 2015, at the end of my bus driver's career, a month before the school year was over, I got involved in a car accident with my bus. When the police officer arrived on the scene, the first thing he wanted to know was whether or not anyone had witnessed that accident. Unfortunately, in spite of the rush hour, there were no eyewitnesses to this accident, and so he couldn't really be sure what had happened. I had my version of the incident, and the guy who hid me from the behind had his story. As a result, the police officer wanted to conclude it that we both were 50% in fault. Luckily for me, after better investigation and many calls, the OPP came up with the result that the other driver was texting while driving, and I got free. But imagine that there was one eyewitness who saw everything and testified that my version of the story was true. I am sure the officer would be more inclined to believe my account, wouldn't he? How about if there were 50 people confirming my take of what happened? I think it would be unquestionable what really happened. Now imagine that there would be over 500 witnesses in this case. I think nobody would doubt or questions if that was true. Friends, that's how strong the case is for the resurrection of Jesus. Over 500 different individuals were willing to testify that they had seen the resurrected Christ. When Christianity was launched on the scene, these eyewitnesses were still alive and could be questioned. In effect, the early church would say, if you don't believe us, you can ask those who saw him with their own eyes. Peter, who was one of those eyewitnesses, got up one day and preached his first sermon. After summarizing uh, what the prophets wrote about Jesus and how Jesus lived, Peter laid out the details surrounding his death. This is how he formulated his conclusion in Acts 2.32. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. St. Peter later wrote a letter he wanted his readers to know that he didn't make the resurrection up. He saw Jesus, he talked with him, and one day even had a fish fry with him on the beach. Here is what he wrote in 2 Peter 1.16. We did not follow cleverly devised tales when to make known to you the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, let me give you one more proof of Jesus' resurrection. It changed lives of his followers. Something must have happened that radically reoriented the lives of those first followers. After Jesus was put to death, the disciples got very scared and ran away. 
The Bible tells us that after the crucifixion of Jesus, they were gathered in a locked room on the top floor of a building. They were filled with fear. Their leader had been executed, and they didn't know what would happen to them now. John 20, 19, 20 let us in on a scene that would forever change their outlook in their lives. He records, On the evening of that first day of the week, which is Easter Sunday, when the disciples were together with the door locked out of fear, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Instead of confronting the disciples for not standing with him in his time of need, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. His overwhelming peace cut through their own guilt and feelings of failure, and their fear was replaced with joy. These ordinary men were transformed from frightened whims into one of the strongest and most effective missionaries that the world has ever seen. Let me ask you a question. What motivated them to go out and proclaim the message of the risen Christ? Was it money, power, fame? No. Every one of them had come from doubt to determination, from confusion to conviction, from fear to faith. Listen to how they died and see if it sounds like they were just making up the resurrection. Matthew was killed in Ethiopia. Mark was dragged through the streets until he was dead. Peter, Simon, Andrew and Philip were crucified. James was beheaded. Bartholomew was flied, flied alive. Thomas was pierced with lances. James, the last, was thrown from the temple and stoned to death. Jude was shot to the death with arrows. Paul was boiled in hot oil and beheaded. Every one of these guys could have lived if they had, if they had said just one statement. He is dead. But they refused because they knew he was alive. Their lives have been transformed by the resurrection of their Lord. Not only did the resurrected Christ impact this group of individuals, his life-changing power has transformed people from the third decade of the first century down through today. The combined testimony of changed lives attributed to the risen Christ runs into the billions. From every race and tribe and language and nationality in the world, despite various intellectual and social backgrounds, believers are united in their conviction that Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus has changed my life, and I know he has changed yours as well. This, his life-transforming power is available to all people today, as it was to that group of frightened followers on Easter Sunday night. Now, if you still have some doubts like Thomas, who wouldn't believe unless he actually could touch the wounds of Jesus, I encourage you to spend some more time searching for answers. In Isaiah 29.13, God says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you want to have answers but about Jesus, take the Bible and read it. And after this quarantine is done, 
Come and join us on our services and talk to people who already believe in Jesus. They will gladly share their life stories, how the reason Christ has changed their lives. And here are some benefits that you also can experience in your life as the result of uh, that resurrection. Let me talk about four. First, it proves that you matter deeply to God. Jesus died for you as a payment for your sins and rose again to demonstrate how important you are to him. And because he is alive, he can now meet the deepest needs of your life. Secondly, if in his resurrection you find the power to change. Friends, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you today. He can transform you just like he radically changed the first group of those weak and afraid people. An encounter with the living Christ can give you strength and confident, confidence like you've never had before because Jesus can break the power of Satan and all the bad habits and influence that influences your life. Number three, reason Christ can get rid of your guilt for all that you have done. Do you want some good news that you can really use this Easter? The resurrection is the final proof that God accepted the sacrifice of Jesus as your sin substitute. Jesus is the sin-bearing Savior of the world, and the resurrection validates this resurrection and this transaction. One of our Holy Week challenge was to place a cross in front of your lawn or porch and uh, in your window and then place a red ribbon on it that would represent Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross for all your sins. Today we ask you to exchange that ribbon for white. It means that all your sins were wiped out. Jesus has forgiven us all of them. He has removed the guilt. Our sinfulness has disappeared this Easter Sunday morning. All because of that resurrection. And finally, because of Jesus' resurrection, we know that there is life beyond the grave. It's not just a theory. It's a proven reality. Because Jesus is alive, death will never have the last word in your life. Those who put their trust in Jesus Christ have guaranteed their eternal life with their Lord. Friends, you don't have to be afraid of your death. The evidence for the resurrection is overwhelming and relevant to your life, but that evidence demands a verdict. It's time to make your decision. It's time to encounter the living Christ for yourself. If you want irrefutable proof for the resurrection that let Jesus change your life, open your heart to him, embrace the living Lord Jesus. In John 20, when Peter and John ran into the empty tomb, they were surprised and startled. Verse 8 says that John saw and believed. The word here is not the one used when we see something in the distance. It means to see with an inner sight that leads to a conclusion. In other words, the light went on for him. Has the light gone on for you this morning? If so, then take the next step and believe. Put your trust in resurrected Christ and ask him to save you from your sins so that one day you can also experience his resurrection and eternal life in heaven. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your resurrection. Thank you that the story of your salvation 
Our salvation didn't end up on Friday when you died on the cross, but continued three days later when you victoriously rose from the dead. We pray that your Holy Spirit would work in every life, every heart, every mind, so that no one can shrink this message, this truth. This is not just something that can be ignored, treated with indifference. Eternal destiny turns on the issue of will I commit my life to the one who rose to be my savior or will I reject him and face him as my judge? Lord, we pray that all across the world today, as the resurrection is being preached, heaven will be rejoicing because many will be turned from death to life, darkness to light, hell to heaven, despair to hope, sin to righteousness. Lord, do your work in every heart, and for the glory of Christ we ask. Amen.